Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I am here with Torsten Gross. Torsten, um, really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today. I know that uh, we got introduced by Mark Petronas, and he suggested that I chat with you. And I want to learn all about you and all the stuff you're doing related to racing. So maybe we can just start with, um, you know, what is your world right now as it relates to racing? I mean, at this at this moment in time, unfortunately, nothing, because uh, two and a half weeks ago, I was going 60 miles an hour sideways against the concrete barrier and uh I shattered my or broke my femur, um, three broken ribs and a punctured lung. So uh, right now, in this particular moment in time, um, I'm not doing anything and the car is getting fixed. And I hope to be back out there, kind of called mid-July, early August. Wow. So um, where, where did that happen at? That was at Lime Rock. Lime Rock. My home, my home track, yeah. Okay, where where are you located then? I am seven miles away from Lime Rock. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> so I'm a Lime Rock member, and uh, that is my, it's my home track. Got it. Can you tell me a little bit about the car that's getting fixed right now? Yeah. Oh, shoot, my baby. So it was a Porsche, or was, is, a Porsche Cayman. 3.4 liter, so it fit in the GTB1 class. Um, and uh, I got it in February. So I had not tracked her too often. We did walk in Glen for time trials. Um, we did a couple uh, Lime Rock stints. And then I was supposed to do the International GT Series race at Lime Rock Memorial Day weekend for the Trans Am weekend. But uh, I decided to put it against a concrete barrier. So that did not happen, that race. Was, so um, when when that happened, were you in a racing uh, situation or what was it? <laughs> it was a regular DE track day. However, we were running drills to to emulate what could happen during a race scenario. So as an example, you know, you start on the straight at Lime Rock and then there are chances that you're going to be, well, very good chance you're going to be too wide going into Big Bend, also chance to be three wide going into Big Bend. Now, when you go around Big Bend, the outside is incredibly dirty and I'm on slicks and I was coming in too hot and, uh, you know, as racers, we love to live on the edge. Uh, when you find the edge and you go to the other side, that's when things happen. Um, let's just say I found the edge and I know what the other side is. So, oh, man, man. Yeah. Oh, sorry to hear that. So um, <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit about you, but I was checking out your shirt. And can you tell me a little bit more about that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, maybe... Maybe it'd be good to give you context kind of of how I started and, and kind of why Just Hands happened. So uh, I'm not, to put this in context, I'm not a car guy. I don't know what a radiator is. I think I just figured out what tires are. Uh, sway bars or something that monkeys hang from. Like, I don't know anything about cars. And, but what I do know is how to drive them. And since... I had my license. I've been pulled over 36 times. Three, oh my of God. Going, three of them going over 125 miles an hour, but I've only gotten three tickets. So that that's good. Um, this is all before, before I was like 32. This is years ago, right? So, so not, not any, I've, I've become <clears throat> more responsible in my old age, but the, the 
the fun part is because what your viewers can't see is because I'm in a wheelchair, I dump water on my lap and say I couldn't find a handicapped bathroom. That gets you out of every single ticket, let me tell you, uh, every ticket. Um, so I just hope none of the cops are listening right now in case I do get pulled over again. I need to use that. Anyway, um, so I'd always had a penchant for speed. But being in a chair, a wheelchair, nothing was ever visible to me that it was possible that I could actually get out onto track. <clears throat> and we built this house in 2019 as a weekend home from New York City. And I didn't know anything about racing or anything about tracking and all that. But then when we moved up here full time, my wife gave me a track day at Lime Rock. And since that moment, I was hooked. And the reason why I was hooked is it is the only sport for somebody in a wheelchair that makes me equal to able-bodied people. So I'm the world's only person that's in a wheelchair that's a rescue scuba diver. I did 12 marathons in 12 months. I ski, I skydive. I do anything that challenges my life insurance policy. Um, however, <clears throat> I'm never equal to somebody. You and I will never be in the same marathon division or same skiing division or play basketball together. But track being on track, the car doesn't care if I'm in a chair. You don't know that I'm in a chair unless you saw me in the paddock. Um, I'm 100% equal. And the feeling of that is extraordinary. And so after I got off the track, I went home to my wife and I said, we're buying a race car. And she just looked at me and was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is not like, you know, let's go biking. You know what I mean? Like, and let's buy some extra bikes. Oh, okay, fine. And then weeks later, <coughs> the, uh, the monumental impact it had on me. I said to my wife, well, we need to buy another race car, but this one's not for me. This one is for other people in wheelchairs to use because I need other people to feel what I feel, to feel the freedom, the independence of being on a track. And that is how Just Hands was formed. And I met a guy named James Cooper and uh, he and I hit it off and I said, Hey, do you want to do this with me? And you know, there was no hesitation. He said, yes. Uh, and he's able-bodied. He's not, he's not in a chair, but he, we just got along really well. And he said, yes, and brought on a couple other people. And now that's where Just Hands Foundation was, has been born. So when you were in that very first car for the track day, did it have a, a what were the controls on the car for you so that you could do that? So it's a great question because there are so many different types of hand controls. So you've got the Robbie Wickens of the world, you know, the IMSA professional race car drivers that have 10, 20, 30, $40,000 hand controls that are on the steering wheel. <clears throat> That's not attainable for the everyman, right? Then you've got hand controls that you use in your everyday car. And that is one hand on the steering wheel. So I have my left hand on the steering wheel. And then my right hand is kind of right next to my right knee. And you turn for gas and you push for brake. But then there's also people that use their right hand to steer and their left hand push down for gas and push forward for brake. So I was using my everyday Audi S6 um, for my track day, but those cars are so heavy. It wasn't track prepared, right? It was just my everyday car. The problem with that though, is if something goes wrong on the track and the car becomes unusable, I can't say to you, can I borrow your car? Mm -hmm. Right. I can't go to a friend. Can I just borrow while my car is in the shop? You know, I can't, I can go to Avis or Hertz, but 
that's really difficult. Like they, it's not always as easy as one would hope it'd be uh, to get a hand control. So people are very reticent to take their everyday car onto a track if they're in a wheelchair. And which is why I said to myself, I need to buy a race car. And I know it always sounds funny that I say that, but it, it, that's why, right? Because I took my everyday car and I'm like, that that might not work out, you know, in, in the long run, right, mm-hmm. for this car. So, um, so I use right hand control. So right brake and throttle and steer with my left hand. Got it. Got it. Um, so that's, that's how, I mean, do you think it's just as easy to, to learn to do that? Is it, is it just as controllable as far as you, I mean, I I know it's, it's difficult to tell, but I've just, I've never even seen the controls myself. So it's just hard for me to imagine. So a couple answers to that. One is if we started in the back of a Walmart parking lot and I were to put you into the driver's seat, by the time we're at the street, you've already figured it out because your <laughs> hand-eye coordination is faster than your hand-foot. Mm. So what I make people do is I make people go Indian style, right, cross their legs so that they don't have that reaction to push forward on their pedals. Um <clears throat> Anybody who works with me, right, whether like my team, you know, whatever that looks after my car, (laughs) everybody drives with hand controls uh, afterwards when they move my car. No one touches pedals anymore, even though there are pedals in my car, right? So anyone can drive my car as well. Um, They all love it. Now, in terms of how it functions on the track, (laughs) I can only judge myself based on myself, but I can tell you that others have gotten out of my car, coaches and whatnot, and they all use the exact same word. And that is, I am, I've been told I'm one of the smoothest drivers they've ever been in with because my ability to trail break just with my wrist, right. And, and uh, not, push forward with a leg, right? Which, which you're, you're pushing really hard with. Um, I'm a very smooth driver and I'm using other people's words. So I hate to come off as arrogant. I I hope it doesn't sound arrogant. Um, But that is the word that everybody, it's a consistent, you know, word. And Francis, the last guy that was in my car, had said, if I didn't see your hand controls, I would never know that I was in the car with somebody who was using hand controls, which again is a compliment, right? A, yeah. a big compliment. Yeah, that's, that is amazing. So tell me about, tell me a little bit more about just hands. Like what do you do? Who do you do it for? That kind of stuff. Absolutely. So we, we have a, a, a 328 uh, XI BMW. And as of this week, we also have a Porsche Cayman. Uh, that we um, have outfitted with both left and right hand controls. And the reason why is, let's say the difference to use, you know, walking people's parlance is the difference between knowing how to use manual versus automatic. Mm -hmm. You don't want to get up to a racetrack not knowing how to use a manual and then be put into a manual car and go, now go 130 miles an hour. Eh, you know, not very safe. <laughs> the same thing goes for if you're a right-hand driver and you get there and we only have left-hand controls, that's pretty dangerous, right? So we worked with Mobility Innovations and Vigil, which are the hand control manufacturers, and we said, we want both in the car. And they went, oh, okay. You know, we haven't really done that that much because why would you put two, right? Like, why would you have both automatic and stick shift in a car? Mm-hmm. That's not, it's not a thing. <clears throat> they understood very quickly why I wanted that. And, and we managed to do it. So um, we have those two cars now. And what we do is we offer three things. We offer HPDE days. So basically <clears throat> consider us an arrive and drive that has hand controls. 
right? Whether you do BMW Car Club of America or SCDA or whatever, uh, you know, Porsche Club, you're a novice, a regular novice driver. You're using our car. So you've got HPDE. The second thing is autocross, right? Does somebody want to be able to handle the car better? You know, all the reasons why one does autocross versus HPDE. And then the third thing is <laughs> for people that don't have full triceps that are high level quadriplegics, and I am a quadriplegic, so I know what it's like to have people say no to me. Um, I wanted them to still be able to experience what it's like on track. So the third one is getting in a car side seat and doing ride alongs with us. Right. So those are the three things. Now, who who gets to drive it is <coughs> hand controls have to be your method of driving. Period. We are not a driving school. Right. So this isn't for somebody to come and go, well, I just had an injury and, you know, I'm in a chair now. I'd like to learn how to use hand controls. You know, you would never say to a 16 to 18 year old that doesn't know how to drive. Come, come learn how to drive and do an HPDE at the same time. Um, well, that's a very gutsy you know, 16 year old, but, yeah. but you need to have your license, right? You need to know how to drive with it. Uh, I think that's something that confuses people. They think that we are a driving school. We are not, we are drive. We are part of driver education, right? HPDE. Um, and we operate out of Lime Rock. But we also trailer the car to Thompson, to Palmer, uh, Club Motorsport. We're going to be going to a lot of different places now that we have a trailer, which makes things really exciting. Cool. Now, do you have how many people are, are part of your organization? Well, I mean, we have seven board members. We've got a handful of volunteers that help during the HPDE day. Um, we don't have just hands drivers as like part of our organization per se, because again, if you consider us an HPD, uh, arrive and drive, you know, they're not part of the arrive and drive organization. Um, but we're only a year old <laughs> and I'd say it's hard to say how many people are part of it because we also offer services to arrive and drives. So as an example, we have a car at Spa in Belgium. We have a car with hand controls at Nürburgring. We're about to put one uh, at Red Bull Ring in Austria, right? We have one in California with Skip Barber Racing School. Um, so those people aren't part of Just Hands, but we've created an offering that allows you as or one as a disabled person to understand what you're getting, right? How high is the car, right? Like what kind of seats do you have? It has to be racing seats with a six point harness because we don't have good stomach or trunk muscles. So you have to have a six point harness, that kind of stuff. Um, so part of the organization, say we're about 10 to 15, but you know, our, our tentacles have spread way further than that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that is cool. It's just a year old, too. So if somebody's going to come to Lime Rock and they want to do an arrive and drive, um, they just contact your organization. And then how much how much do, does it cost for somebody? Zero. Zero. Now, it costs us about 1100 bucks a day to run. Uh, <clears throat> that includes the entry fee, you know, into the, the sanctioning body that's running the, the event, a cost uh, that's wearables, gas, you know, all the all the fun stuff that goes into our very expensive hobby. Um, and so it kind of works out to be around 1100 bucks a day, you know, for and staff and all that for us to run. Um, we do it free for the first time. So we're basically giving you the gateway drug. And then you can come back and you can rent it from us too. You can rent it, but then you're paying money. Yeah. Right. And so, but again, we're not looking, this isn't about money for us, right? Like this is by far 
you know, uh, getting money for, uh, for us making money. Um, we have been so fortunate that Pennzoil has been a massive donor and Hoffman Auto Group, which is here in Connecticut, uh, they donated a 2015 Cayman. Like to have OG Racing, who's, you know, given us a lot, a lot of parts, to have all these people who believe in what we do, it just means so much. It really does. And it, it defers a lot of the cost for us. So somebody would come here to Lime Rock, they would sign up online. They would come to Lime Rock and essentially be like any other human that does an HPDE. We spend a little bit more time with you in the morning. We ask for you to come like a half hour earlier because one of the things that we do is we have to tape down our legs. And the reason why is, you know, if we don't have muscles in our legs that work, you don't want those legs flying around, right? And everybody's legs bend differently and, you know, lengthwise are different. So we can't just say categorically, here's how you tape down legs. Mm -hmm. So we work with them on that. We work with, we let them drive it around the paddock for a little bit. We give them the helmet, you know, and the Hans device, make sure that they know how to, how to buckle in. But you know what, man, after the first time we buckle them in, I basically say you're on your own. Well, we're there, but this is teach a person how to fish, right? Like I want to show you how to do it. And then that heroin needle just went in you. And now you're going to want to do it over and over and over again by yourself. Anyone <laughs> listening to this right now knows exactly how addictive this is. Um, yeah. And the second they clip in and they, they're nervous, they do their first track session, they come, come out and they're like, oh, my God, that was incredible. And I'm like, yep, there you go. <laughs> now, hands, off, hands off for me. So, uh, Yeah. Do you have any people that have gone to some of your <laughs> HP, uh, H, uh, the high, high performance driving education days and have now started racing? So one example, he lives in Boston. He comes here, tracks. Two days later, I get a text message with a picture of a souped up Mustang and he goes, had to get this starting my track days now, right? Like, and I just went, wow, that's, uh, that went quicker than me. Like, <laughs> that, that's amazing. Um, yeah, there are tons of people who continue with it. I think that there's a misconception that, that I think, I know, that there's a misconception that because you're in a chair, you're poor. Because you're in a chair, you don't work. Uh, that you are less capable, right, of of continuing this on your by yourself, right? I can tell you that's not true, right? And and so yeah, a lot of people have continued on with this so much so that we're about to create a series, uh, a video series that is how to get into track driving. <clears throat> now. Able-bodied can, people can view that too, but a lot of things that we're going to cover is what type of hand controls like work or don't work or lend themselves better or worse, right? Why do you need a six-point harness versus a five-point or three-point harness? Why do you need certain types of racing seats uh, for somebody in a chair? And it's because we get so much demand from people around this country that are asking us for that because I was in a pen. I'm in Pennzoil commercials right now. So if you watch Indy or if you watch NASCAR, you'll see me and Joey Logano uh, in Pennzoil commercials. And Just Hands is thrown up on the screen pretty quickly. I am blown away by how many people noticed Just Hands and saw my chair and reach out to us, which is great. But they all have the same questions. How do I get into it? Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, sorry, that was my long-winded way of saying, you know, do people still do it after HPDE? Yes, and, right? And they don't even want to wait for us, right? They just want to go do it themselves too. So the demand is there for sure. Now, you mentioned that um, you were preparing for um, some races, but 
Um, and I, I'm sure you've done plenty of track days, but have you already been doing some races? Oh, no, I have my, <coughs> this kills me. Got my SCCA provisional license. I have my uh, Skip Barber provisional license. Um, because of Lime Rock Drivers Club, you know, we do a lot there, right? The, the membership club. Um, I have never, though, been in official capacity, wheel to wheel. And where we're bumping each other out of the way type of thing. And I will tell you, Saturday, Friday the 19th, had my accident. The 20th, had my surgery. Five days later, I went to Lime Rock already. Probably not the best idea, but I did anyway to go watch the races. I had to. And I got to tell you, going through the paddock and seeing the, feeling the experience, not even seeing it, feeling the experience, the camaraderie, the people that knew about what happened to me and came over uh, was amazing now that is the nice emotional touchy-feely part the competitor in me i got a 57.7 the day that i crashed and on on track on race days you go even faster right i was in a 3.4 liter my times were better than 3.6s and 4.0 liter porsches so on one hand i should be pissed off that i broke my femur on the other hand, I'm pissed off that I'm not out there spanking other people in my first race, you know? Yeah. Um, now, I get it. Racecraft and, and you know, and track experience are two fundamentally different things. I get that. And I'm not... It's... I'm not delusional to think that I would have gotten those times outside of qualifying, right? Like that's in no world. All I, in no world was, would that have been reality? I, I just wanted to finish, you know, and, and finish in good fashion. Um, so yeah, I think now we have unfortunately bumped my first race <coughs> to be most likely October at VIR. And then maybe Daytona and Coda, also October and November. Which or, which racing organization? International GT. Okay. All right. Because I was I was looking at. Um, I'll have to get with you after this and look compare dates and things like that. I'm I'm you know I'm traveling all around and I'm I'm hitting different um, sanctioning bodies and things like that. Um, that is one that I'm. I'm wasn't familiar with so maybe maybe there's a chance for me to uh, be in the neighborhood i've i have <coughs> done and sorry for coughing that that's the ribs that that you're hearing when oh, i continually cough. Man. um i will tell you i've done exhaustive research on sanctioning bodies and racing and i'm not going to speak ill of any sanctioning body uh at all but i can tell you that international gt from everything I've heard from everybody is that they are a step up from Porsche club racing. They are just a great organization to be part of with really good and fast racers that respect each other. Right. So there's not, it's not a bumping type, you know, I mean, not on purpose, but like it's not a bumping type of organization um, we all bring our own cars and we respect that, right? It's, uh, it's mostly Porsches with Ferraris and a couple Audis and whatnot, but, uh, it's, I've heard nothing but great things from anybody who's raced in it. So I would definitely check it out. Okay, cool. I just made a note. I'll check them out. Great. And what, what, what did you say October and where was the track? So, uh, Early October is going to be VIR. Uh, then they go to Daytona. And then Daytona to uh, Coda, if I'm not mistaken. 
Okay. Now, well, yeah. go ahead. You might want to. So, so Amazon Prime is filming a TV show about me, a docu series about me right okay. now. Okay. And about my adventures into uh, into the sport. Uh, the last race I think I'm going to end with, which I'm just a glutton for punishment, is December 1st through 3rd, World Racing League at Coda. And let me just tell you, two hours solely with your upper body, uh, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting, and I'm not allowed to tell you just yet who is going to be on my team, but let's just say you will know all the names that will be on my team, which is going to be pretty incredible, which I'm excited about. Well, as a matter of fact, I already have that WRL championship. It's a, it's a championship uh, race, I think, yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you know this, but I live in Austin. And yes. And in fact, at this very moment, you know, I'm in my mobile command center and I am posted up at Chris Taylor Racing, who has his race shop across the street from Coda. In fact, I I woke up at like four o'clock this morning and uh, rode my bike around the not on the track, but around the track to kind of, you know, just get some exercise in. So. I'll admit this is this is a jealousy moment. It is it is a moment. It's a moment of jealousy. You, uh, I, I thought I had a good living seven miles from Lime Rock. Uh, you, my friend, uh, you win this one. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, until I look at the gas bill for the RV driving all over the nation. So I, I, I have right now mapped out uh, eighteen race weekends between now and the end of the year. And about twenty five thousand miles. So we'll 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 see how that goes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, that's uh, ambitious, but I love it. I think that sounds amazing. Yeah, I was. I mean, for me, that's it's my biggest thing is I still want to exercise. And <laughs> um, gosh, it's hard when you're just spending all day long driving. So. You know, we bought a we bought a truck and a trailer. Uh, to be able to defer some of the costs from, you know, having, having a trailer for you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I have not had anything more than a three hour haul yet. I can only imagine what you're going to go through, you know, with like six, eight, 10 hour drives at a time. I have not done that yet. So I'm, don't tell me it's bad. Don't scare me. Don't scare me. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. I mean, at the beginning of this year, before I bought the RV and the truck, I had a Mustang. And so I was driving my car from Austin to VIR. And so, you know, that's 1,400 miles. And oh. um, and then, and then you know, it's hard to sleep in a Mustang. So I had to get an <laughs> RV. <laughs> I, you know, I'm pretty sure when they designed the Mustang, that was not one of the criteria <laughs> of, will this be a good car? Can it be slept in? Um, yeah, I, I think they're yeah. okay with hearing you say that, that it's a bad part of sleeping. Yeah, they're not going to be offended by that. So. They will definitely not be offended for sure. So um, how long have you been um, right there next to, to Lime Rock? How, I say, ask one more time, sorry. How long have you been there next to Lime Rock? I've been here... Well, 2019, we built the house. So I started kind of going to Lime Rock around 2019. Uh, I became a Lime Rock Drivers Club member this year. And I will tell you, even though it's a short period of time, it has fundamentally changed my drive style. It has fundamentally changed my connection to the community. You know, it's... uh, it really, it's it's made all the difference for me, right? Because instead of doing 20-minute HPDE sessions, four or five of them, and if you're lucky, right, um, where you're so eager to squeeze out the 20 minutes and you don't want to come in and check tire pressure or change something, and if you do change it, 
you know, an hour goes by your mental, your, your muscle memory, you know, and your mental memory even like has a hard time really comparing the two. Uh, now living here for the past four years and now being part of the driver's club, it really allows me to hone in on what's working, what's not working and to become part of a community that I think is incredibly special. Right. Yeah. So I'm so fortunate. So, I mean, so grateful and so fortunate to be able to have that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. I love, I love hearing like where you're at too, with the smooth and the speed and the, you, you were, you know, I, I think it's so cool. Now, um, the only other kind of exposure I've had to hand controls is there, there is, um, and I can't remember their name, but it's got hands in the name and it's an organization. I think it's based out of MSR Houston, the MSR Houston track. And, um, you might, reach out to them to the track yeah. and let them know who you are because maybe there's opportunities for you guys to partner or something, but they have, I mean, I've raced against some people that are using hand controls. I've, I've, I've been on the track with them. So, um, you know, I, I know that we've got some people out there that are using the hand controls, but I, I haven't had a chance to actually see them. I would love to, to know who you're talking about because so our goal is not to own 50 cars around this country with hand controls. That is not our goal. Our goal is to be a recognizable brand that allows you as somebody in a wheelchair to go experience hand control driving. And so what that means is on our site, we have a section called Around the World. And all I want to do is populate more hand control driving organizations like the one you're talking about and yep. go, don't come to us, right? Like go to, if you're near Houston, go to Houston, right? If you're in Belgium, go to spa, right. And go to RSR racing. Or if you're in Nuremberg, go to RSR racing. Like I, I don't need to own the cars that the problem is, is that there are, I'm not the only guy in a wheelchair, you know, racing by far, right. That's, I certainly don't claim that. And nor am I the best, nor am I anywhere close to the best. Um, what is a problem, though, is the lack of information that's out there. And so if we can be a hub that that gives that information out and says, look, you know, in, in Houston, there's this place. I love that. And I love that you're telling me about it because I did not know. And you would assume that I would know about that. Right. But but I don't. And so thank you for telling me. Yeah, I'm I'm going to I have it up on the screen right now and um I I still don't see the name of the organization but it's definitely associated with MSR Houston. So I will find the name of the organization and I will connect you with um the gentleman who kind of manages that track and I know he's responsible for making sure those cars are out there for the folks. In fact, he, I think this says there's currently three cars equipped with the hand controls. So I love that. I think one thing that people don't really realize is so let's take RSR, the, the uh, uh, arrive and drive company at spa and in Belgium, the car took two hours to have the hand controls put in for the first time. But now that it was put in for the first time, it takes one minute to remove them and one minute to reinstall them. So you as a driver could get in that car and never know that there's hand controls that have the, the possibility for that car to have hand controls in it. Uh, I come there and they can be put in for one minute. So the way I look at it is tall people need different seats. Fat people need different seats. Short people need different seats. Big feet need different pedals, right? Like the size of the pedals and how close they are together. Um, you get to make those changes in an arrive and drive car and putting in a different seat takes, what, five minutes, right? Like to, if you're if you're too big or too short, whatnot, if they've got different mm -hmm. options of seats, well, why not just make hand controls another option? You know, that take literally one minute to put in and out. It, it shouldn't be a thing, right? It yeah. should just kind of be like, oh, you need hand controls? Cool. Give me literally give me a minute 
and we'll get you all set up. Right. And that's it. And that's the way RSR treats us. Like when I got out there, um, somebody else had been using the M3 that uh, it was an M2 that, that I was going to use showed up and he was like, boom, put it right in and off to the races, you know, off to spa. And uh, it was incredible. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. I didn't realize it would take such a short amount of time to install it on a car. Now having, when did, when did, well, hand controls for cars have been around for a while. 40 years plus. Yeah. But hand controls for race cars and we're not talking like the $20,000 ones just how long have they been around I I use my everyday hand controls as a matter of fact I think my everyday hand controls are better than what Robbie Wickens uses and I can get into the whole fundamentals of why you know and what and all that kind of stuff but um the hand controls I use I can shift with my fingers if I wanted to, there, there are two little buttons that are on the hand controls that if I wanted to, I could. Now, <clears throat> I don't claim to be smarter than data, meaning PDKs and DCTs and BMWs and Porsches are smarter than than a human can shift anyway, for the most part. So who am I to, to believe that I'm, fe- I'm better than data, right? So I let it shift itself. There's one part at Lime Rock where, you know, it does a weird shift because of the uphill so I like to to override that. But other than that, it's my everyday hand controls. And that was a big reason or big uh, factor for us at Just Hands to choose those hand controls. Because if we chose to be a gateway drug, and if we chose to say, you want to come experience this, now you go do it yourself. We needed to make sure that it was manageable for somebody to go buy. And the ones we have are between uh, $2,000 and at the high end, high end, $4,000 installed, right? So that's attainable, right? It's not cheap, but it's attainable uh, yep. to be able to put those in there. So now if I had said 10, 20, $30,000 hand controls, I don't know how many people, even if they did get addicted to the drug would go, yes, I can afford that. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more and it's also a lot much faster to put in than I would have imagined and much cheaper than I would have imagined. Yeah. Um, it's, it's called hands on driving academy.org. Hands on driving academy.org. Yeah. I I'm on I'm on their Facebook page, but I can definitely still make an introduction to the gentleman who manages the track. Oh, and- this is interesting. So he approached me at Lime Rock. He was actually a uh, um, the safety car driver at, okay. uh, at, at Lime Rock. And he gave me his card and he said, let's be in touch. Um, and I, I unfortunately said, yes, let's be in touch. And the reason why I embarrassingly say, yes, let's be in touch is we were, I want to say, four to six months into Just Hands, right? So, so everything's coming at us, right? We're like, we've got Spa, we've got, we've got Nurburgring, we've got, you know, working with Skip Barber uh, Racing School, we've got just figuring out our stuff. And it was like, wow, this is, it's intense. So unfortunately and embarrassingly enough, I dropped the ball on that. However... I appreciate you bringing that up again because I certainly will reach out to them again. Um, yeah, there he is. He's on the right side. Uh, yeah, James. James. Uh, James, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. No no uh, disrespect meant whatsoever. Uh, we will be in touch now that we're breathing again. You yeah, know? that's great. You know, and every, every one of those folks and every one of those pitchers, I've raced against them. Because most of the cars they have outfitted, I think, are all B-spec cars, which is yeah. the class that I race in. Yeah. So yeah. I've I've raced against many of them. And that's I, also look, where I got my – go ahead. You what? I said that's also where I got my competition license. Oh, through hands-on driving? No, no, through through the track, 
through MSR Houston. Got it. Got it. Yep. Uh, I have not been there yet, but, uh, I, I would say it's, it's great for locals. I'm not a local there. It's never great for me. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, what's funny I say that is because, you know, Coda should be my, my local track. Yeah. And I've, I've had the worst of luck at Coda. Um, you know, had what do a couple you mean? Of, well, I either had a transmission go out or I had a hub go out or, you know, last year I got the car flipped because <laughs> I got, I got rear ended at the end of the long straight at Coda as I was making the turn and yeah. um, just spun me weird and flipped me over. So that was the end of my weekend. Yeah, but I'd say. Uh... <laughs> no, no wall though. No wall. So I was, I was, I tell people it felt like rolling over in a marshmallow. So. <laughs> uh yeah mine 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 wasn't so much of a marshmallow uh no no that uh, sounds horrible Gosh. well i mean the joke the joke i made is because we've got the amazon prime show i had to add a little bit of drama uh and what better than to break the biggest bone and the most painful bone in your body um yeah that's uh why not um but uh Next time I hope to roll over onto marshmallows. Let's say that. Yeah. So when when is when do you anticipate the show coming out on Amazon Prime? So, I mean, uh, <laughs> jokes aside, I did put a little bit of a wrinkle into the production schedule, right? Uh, because typically we would be filming, you know, now and doing some more races now. Um, and unfortunately... Uh, we can't do that, right? Because there's no car uh, or I don't have my own race car, right? And and I don't use the foundation car, right? I, I don't ever want anyone to think that if they donate money to the foundation that I benefit from it track-wise, right? So I, I don't use the foundation car. So it was supposed to launch uh, right after the WRL, uh, you know, let's call it like two weeks after. So let's call it mid-December. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's still the case is left to be seen. I think we need to physically, I feel fine, but you never know if something pops up. Uh, disabled or not, right? Like you just, you never, you never know where you are after an incident like that. Um, <clears throat> so... I'm hoping mid-December. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Well, you know, I, I don't want to take too much of your time. It's been awesome getting to know you and learn a little bit more about you. Um, and you. Learn more about the hand controls and, and just hands, your organization. So I want to make sure that other people know about this as well. And I am very much looking forward to, to meeting you in person. And Likewise. Uh, maybe we can do another interview in person, more of a, you know, recap of a race or something like that would be exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see what you'll be doing in a race car, in a wheel to wheel competition. (laughs) You and me both, my friend. Uh, (laughs) yeah, I would love to do that. And, you know, I think, uh, I hear it a lot saying I've heard about hand control driving, but never seen it. Um, you know, maybe if we met in person would love to take you and your audience through what the hand controls look like, why they operate the way they do, what's different. And and just spoiler alert, other than hand controls, there really isn't much different between what we do and what other people do, right? There's This isn't a conversion of a minivan where there's a ramp that comes out and then blah, blah, blah. You know, it's uh, this is, we keep it as air quotes normal as possible. And, uh, and that is because I want you to be able to jump in the car and also track with me mm-hmm. where the hand control, the hand controls are still in there, but it doesn't impede your ability to be just as comfortable in the car as anybody else. And I would love to be able to show people that because I think it would surprise folks to know how, uh, how simple it is, right. And how non, not intimidating it is because I think that scares a lot of people to get into it um, and scares a lot of able-bodied people, by the way, because they're like, well, 
how do I instruct you? Is there a different instruction? And my response is, when you're instructing, you don't say left foot, left foot, left foot, left foot, right foot, right foot, right foot, right foot. You know, you say lift, brake, throttle, turn in. Mm-hmm. The same words that you would use for us. Our input might be different, right? So when you say brake, I'm not using my feet, but but your brain is wired to do the exact same thing when you give the instruction of brake or turn in or lift. So there's no difference in instructing somebody who's disabled. And that unfortunately is something that we do run into more often than I'd like sanctioning bodies that are, I'm going to be very polite and use the word hesitant to say, how do we instruct somebody disabled? And I'm like, well, how do you instruct a woman to drive? How do you instruct somebody who's gay to drive, right? Like, you know, the non-white male, right? Like, just like everybody else. Yeah. You know, woman's no different. Black's no different. Gay's no different. Well, disabled's really no different either. The difference is you can see what we're doing, right? Like, you can physically, visibly see it. And by showing your audience that, I would really love to do that because I think it would would ease a lot of people's minds to kind of go, you know, it's easier than I thought it was. Yeah, I would love to do that. So I'll I'll check out the International GT and I'll look at the VIR date, Daytona, Coda, you know, the Coda is WRL and I will be yeah. there for that. But, you know, hopefully we don't have, we don't have to wait that long. We'll just have to have to see. So. I would love that. And and thank you for taking the time as well, you know, just getting the the word out there for this is uh it means a lot. So thank you for taking the time for, for this conversation and to everybody who's listened up until this far. I hope I haven't bored people. Yeah, no, I, this has been great. And, um, you know, I'd love for more people to know about the organization and other organizations to know about you as well. So Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Likewise. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like. But I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag.